Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wes just gave us a new theme just a minute ago. War Cry Wednesday. I don't know what kind of content we're going to drum up around it, but we gave you a video on social media. Wes is working on it as we speak. He is trying to post it right now. And I gave you my first War Cry, I believe, in show history. I tried. There is a special high place that I can't really get to. Wes is able to get to it. Fiddy is able to get to it. I sound like a deflating balloon. But I tried, I gave it my all, and you can go check that video out. Shroppy, Colin, everybody participated in War Cry Wednesday. I did not think Colin was going to jump in on it. He did. Shroppy did as well. You said, yeah, you're probably too cool to participate. And then I <laughs> felt bad because I never participate, but it's because I sound so weird trying to reach that high. Like, I almost go falsetto yell, and nobody is going to gonna mistake a falsetto yell for a war cry you know fitty i gotta give it to fitty man he is a he's great always yell. with it man both of y'all are great yellers and i'm just not i'm just not a very good one but we appreciate you for listening anyway 704-570-9610 would love to hear what you guys are thinking on this war cry wednesday <laughs> 704-570-9610 and immediately when we stepped into the studio Felt like the mood changed. We were hard at work in the fishbowl. But once we stepped in, we started talking about Akeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal's top 10 list, because that's what Jeff and Colin were discussing. I'm not going to spoil it because, Fiddy, you have that in the second edition of The Live Wire. So we'll hear from Shaq himself on some of his top 10 players of all time. And it did lead us to a conversation I wanted to discuss just a little bit. I'll give you the meat and potatoes in a moment. But I did want to talk about how Shaq when we discuss most entertaining players of all time, is Shaq immediately top five? Just, it doesn't matter what show we were talking about. Any sport? Yeah. Just entertaining personalities. Uh, He might be number one. He might be. I have no problem with that. I'm trying to go in tempered because I haven't done a lot of research on it, but Shaq does feel like he is the most entertaining athlete, just personality wise, character, behavior. Shaq is the guy that I would have watched, whether he's in the NBA whether he is just retired, whether he's still doing it on TNT. Colin just said he watched a YouTube video of Shaq's pond getting remodeled. That thing has a million views, and it's a great video. Yes, me, the fish guy, of course I'm going to love it, but you're going to love it as well. I have no problem saying he's number one. Well, that's the thing. It should be a guy that you automatically comes to your brain when you think about most entertaining. To me, if you got to think about it, they – they could still be entertaining, but the best of the best are going to automatically pop in your head. Shaq, Dion, um, and hell, Shaq- Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> that, is, that is a list. <laughs> Top of the dome list for most entertaining sports figures. Tommy Lasorda, Shaq, and Dion all make your list. It's very interesting. Uh, Charles Barkley has to be on there, too. Oh, yeah. So if you go Charles and Shaq and you have to go to the NBA, of course the NFL is going to have some. We got Smitty from Couch Coach Kyle, certainly a local one. Steve Smith is a good one. Sirloin Hater has a great one, too, with Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez, Manny just being he was, Manny. Yes. He was a little bit more nonchalant, but Manny was definitely entertaining. Big Germ, got to put Gronk in there. He's a, he's kind of oh, a yes. fun-loving guy. There, there's a warmth. What do you think about, about King Griffey? King Griffey had great commercials. King Griffey 
had charisma. He was laid back, but he had charisma, though. He was entertaining, though. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I would put Ken Griffey among the most entertaining. Because he has a lot of great commercials. Love Ken Griffey, but it's more so the marketing aspect, and he represented something different, and that's why we loved him so much. I don't know if we loved him because his personality was Shaq, Charles Barkley level. Peyton Manning, one texture oh, lights Oh, yes. Which Peyton, That's a good one. And, and he's more so, I, he's entertaining, but not because of a personality standpoint, if that makes sense. You mean Peyton? Yeah, personality's great. It's just Shaq, Shaq is almost unintentionally funny he's sometimes. He's larger than life. Whatever he wants to do. I'm laughing at him because he wants me to. I'm laughing at him because he doesn't want me to. Charles Barkley, same thing. But Peyton Manning, he's a very good one. Yeah, Cam tweets things. John Rocker, new. Not John Not Rocker. Not at all. <laughs> We're going to move on from John Rocker. Roger McDowell from oh, the Mike 80s. Tyson. Mike Tyson is very entertaining as well. Yeah, man, we have a lot of very good I'll ones. I'll put Deontay Wilder in there. Deontay Wilder is fun. Well, the only one I know is um, Fiddy rolled this one out one time. To this day! <laughs> Fiddy, can you give me a Deontay Wilder impression of the same thing I just did? To this day! Yeah, that's better. <laughs> Fiddy is peaking. Carolina's had some. We got Smitty on the text line, but of course, Cam Newton. Cam Newton's entertaining. Oh, yeah. And Mike Tyson is is entertaining without trying to be. He's yes. just him. Yes. Uh, Conor McGregor's great. Yes, uh, big time. You got one, Fiddy, that you wanted to share? Have you ever watched Mike Tyson's Mysteries? I have not seen that. I've not. I'm surprised Wes hasn't seen it, though. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> odd watching a grown man talk bleep to a pigeon, but that's what happens in that show. <laughs> I see a 704 you number put me. in Macho Man Randy Savage. I mean, you can pick a wrestler. There's tons of those guys. It's, it's part of the job description. That's right. Fiddy, almost, as Fiddy would call them, actors. Well, you almost... That's kind no of doubt. an acting no, perspective. There's, there's no but, doubt. But that's what it is. That yeah. That is a part of the job description for you. If you can't act and you can't be entertaining on the wrestling circuit, then... What you just got to have a nice body and got to throw George be, Kittle. Well, yeah, uh, well, George Kittle is fun. Not popular enough. As much as he's great, love George Kittle. Is Clearly, he though? Because he does have a lot of commercials. I I don't think he's part of this is recognition. Part of this is you have to be as recognizable as any of these other guys. We're talking about top okay, notch. Because he he has an ad at the Levi store, and I would say if maybe my mom would know who it is, but then the casual fan probably would not say, hey, that's George yeah, Kittle. Right. But I, but George Kittle, love him. Just don't know if he's going to reach the same depths. Kelsey, especially with this podcast that they're doing, mm-hmm. when, once you start to get a platform where it shows your personality a lot more. Had a dating show. Trav, yeah, no doubt. Travis Kelsey's a great one. So yeah, one tight end we can roll with. Maybe not George Kittle yet. Vin Greasy has a great one. Bob Uecker. Oh, yeah. Just a, even a play-by-play. Major League. They're so good. S- All right, we have so many. Randy Moss. Randy Moss is kind of, I don't know if the, per- the personality is funny. The accent's great. Love Randy Moss. He does accent. have a lot of personality. When you look at his mic'd up stuff yeah. and stuff like that, man, he definitely had big personality. All right, let's come back to it. I'm going to try to consolidate all of these text messages. But we do want to get off of the bus. We've done it so many times where we pull up and then we just never get off because we're having such a good time on the bus. We mm-hmm. just, you know, stay there and then we miss the game. Let's not do that for this opening segment. Go ahead, Fiddy, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Fest held tonight for the Carolina Panthers, the annual tradition, the practice that happens at Bank of America Stadium in front of all of the fans. Have you ever been to a Fan Fest? Yes. Did you like Fan Fest? Yeah, I used to go back in the day, man, when I was a kid. Uh, we went to a few, and that's when there was no fanfare, no nighttime, not as far as, and I'm saying fanfare as far as 
fans were there, but it wasn't like now where they make it this big thing mm-hmm. and it's at night and they have all the cool stuff going on outside. This was hardcore football fans sitting in the bleachers, the stands at three o'clock in the afternoon, sizzling. I wonder how many people are going to be there tonight. Text us if you're going, 704-570-9610. Because after we've talked about this offseason being such a morale booster for Panthers fans, having a new quarterback. It's going to be lit tonight. You finally, you can bet it. Yeah, you finally invested. You have a new coaching staff. They feel competent. It doesn't seem like they're trying to sell you something janky. It feels like it's all going to be real. It looks like it's going to work this year. And that's the consensus opinion. Not only just from the homers, the Panthers fans, but Nash media pundits alike and I did want to kind of go over the history of the Fan Fest so last year I just wanted to bring up a couple of main storylines people left Fan Fest with only giving you the good ones so last year I read a tweet from Darren Gant where he said CJ Henderson pick six off of Sam Darnold people getting excited and it just reminds me Wes of well CJ Henderson when he's played this year he's been good it's why people have been texting in saying hey I'm not going to fall for it again with CJ J. Henderson playing so well because he did play well in last year's training camp session. Keith Taylor doing the same thing. We'll talk about the cornerback group in just a moment. The other thing from last year that I can remember, there was a video of Matt Rule making light of a fan heckling him at FanFest saying that the Panthers should fire Matt Rule. And eventually he wouldn't last very long after that. Yeah, I mean, they're cool. And like I said, I just remember back in the day of being so hot and just dying for water, trying to do everything that you can to try and uh, just be out there in the heat, then trying to get the autographs after it was over with. Uh, I did all of that stuff. Yeah. But uh, my, my son went to the Fan Fest the last couple of seasons, I believe. Uh, him and his mom okay. went as well. So they've gone to kind of the new school, fancy schmancy one. But I was out there when it was tough and rugged. Uh, we got some people say that they're going. Trophy husband says, I want to, but it's past my daughter's bedtime. And so, it used yes. to be free. Yeah. Um, and my wife is an Aints fan. Yeah, sorry, trophy husband. Yeah, yeah, apologize for that. But sending a picture of the kid wearing a Cam Newton jersey. So very cool. I know a lot of people want to go and they are uh, going even if um, or, you know, even if you don't want to. Um, excuse me. Even if you want to. I know a lot of people are going to try to make that happen here tonight because Fan Fest, I know, is a great a event weird for people. day to have it on a Wednesday? Well, they've done it before, too. I don't know if it's I an thought an- last year it was on like a Saturday or Friday. So it might have been. I don't know if you know this, Fiddy. You stepped up to the mic. I just know that people, I know people have gone on a Wednesday before. Like it has happened on this day. But you're right. It would feel like something that you do on a Friday or a Saturday. In 2021, that was the time that the Panthers unveiled the new surface. And that was met with some criticism from Christian McCaffrey coming off of his injury. But also McCaffrey did finally give it the, the, the seal of approval saying, OK, this works. You know, we'll play on it now. That's been a big time point of conversation a couple of years after they unveiled the new surface just a couple of years ago. And you know what? In 2021 at FanFest. David Tepper, he provided an update on what he envisions the facility to look like in Rock Hill. He said it's going to be something to see. It's going to be something to see. If you like Avengers, it's going to be like Avengers HQ. Avengers after Thanos got a hold to it. It's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Even me, the guy that doesn't know about the superhero (laughs) stuff. I was going to say, yes, maybe post all the destruction. But that was a funny one to go back and look at, considering everything that's happened in Rock Hill since the David Tepper update at FanFest. And then I wanted to go back to 2016. So we're skipping quite a few years there, there. But in 2016, for the first time in the event's history, 
the team would require tickets for entry to Bank of America Stadium. Tickets were available through Ticketmaster at no charge, but many fans were left without tickets due to an increased demand and how it overloaded the website server. I remember when this controversy took place because they forced tickets upon the people, and then eventually you would have to pay for some of those tickets in order to get into FanFest. So we've had that transition as well where you could just walk in then you had to have tickets then you had to pay for those tickets but this one might be might be uh well worth the price of admission because of just how everybody is excited going into this upcoming season yeah and so the library guy said that fan fest the last few years was on a friday but due to the beyonce setup they have to hold it today i mean good lord it's a week out what the right. hell they setting up i'm pretty sure that this happened uh, like a few years ago <laughs> maybe like 2019 yeah. could have been a wednesday I, I don't think i'm wrong about that but yes, I know it has been on a Friday in the weekend. And so perhaps that would bring out uh, quite a few more people as well. I did want to ask this one as well. We got a lot of questions. We're peppering you with questions today. I did want to ask you what your favorite uniform combination is. What is the one that you would want to see out there at FanFest? Because after all, this is for the fans. What is your favorite uniform combination that the Carolina Panthers will bring out every once in a while? You can text us once again, 704-570-9610. Yeah, because I was just going to say, we, we talked about the Panthers releasing their 2023 jersey schedule. And because the Panthers don't have a ton of combos, I just wanted to know if Panther fans really even care. I know they like the blacks and the blue, but I just wondered if they really care week to week what the Panthers wear because they don't have a ton of unis. So just wondered how interested uh, fans are in that. And I saw one of the players, I forgot which one, was a little annoyed that they're only wearing the Blues twice, which will be week six against the Dolphins and week 13 against Tampa Bay. Yeah, people like the uniform combinations. I think people like Unitalk for the most part. Do you have a favorite? I like the blue. Honestly, I don't... And pants, which color pants? Um, I think the blue on black is hard. And yeah. the black on black, of course. I think I think I'm against the grain on this one, but I like the white pants as well. I think I like some of the the, the white the helmets. I think they brought out maybe if I'm not mistaken, there was something white on mm-hmm. their uniform that most people hated. I was mm-hmm. trying to think of some of those combinations that a lot of people didn't like. That I was like, hey, I, I'm kind of in the minority on this one. Feel free to text in with any of the questions. Most entertaining athletes, are you going to Fan Fest? And what uniform combination do you like? We've got a ton for you here on Wesson Walker. We'll move on. We'll continue the Carolina Panther conversation on the other side of the break. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker on a war cry Wednesday sports radio 92.7 WFNZ appreciate you writing it on the text line we got a good one to lead us off here because Greer the only reason I know his name despite it coming in on a 980 number is because he sent in a newspaper clipping a picture of one where he was actually featured at a fan fest when he was a kid in 1997 the write-up on the picture of him wearing a Carolina Panthers helmet and having the face paint the whiskers the Panther knows and all of it. The write-up is Greer Poplin. Sorry, I called you out, but that's what it was. Of Concord joined the thousands at Eric- Erickson Stadium for Saturday's open oh, practice, Erickson. where for the first time since the playoffs, fans got to watch their Panthers in action. So very cool to see that memory in 1997. Man, just five years old I was. How old were you? You were going to that one, right? 
I mean, that was one that you might have attended. Yeah, man. Back in the day when it was Erickson Stadium. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> uh, we were asking about some of the uniform combinations. 704 said all black with the black helmet. A lot of people like the black on black on black. Somebody called it all murder. <laughs> yeah, man. Anytime a team. And so my mom, we, we'll, we'll, we'll debate about this from time to time because she does not like when teams who don't have black in their primary color palette wear black they get all black uniforms and i told her it signifies it's all business or if you want to be murdered out or however you want to not that it's such a rough term but just all business or uh, things like that man but all black signifies something and that's why a lot of i always do that i always think of plies i'm dressed in all black just like <laughs> a scary movie 704 570 best combo black shirt gray pants all blue unis with the black socks i like the all blue unis those are pretty good anytime you think of the blue for the, the carolina panthers ones, yeah. yep people will think of the thursday thanksgiving night victory over the dallas cowboys yeah. we saw luke keekley have a pick six that was a fun game a lot of people remember 2015 in that historic that what a great season that was not only for the 15 wins but also just the monster wins like over a dallas what about the super bowl super bowl was not a monster win oh. it was not yeah but 15 <laughs> wins in the regular season it's okay Dang to say historic regular season um and then we get to some of the more entertaining athletes just personality wise like i'm not really looking for most entertaining on the court because then you would bring a Vince Carter, but Vince Car- Vince Carter personality is not one of the best personalities in sports history. I mean, yeah, he's got a great personality, but because when he's I think about it in these terms, dude. I'm thinking marketability, commercials, yeah. endorsements, things of that nature. Well, because he was, he's, he was marketable, but I'm, nobody's looking at his personality and saying, hey, let's put him anywhere close to the Shaq realm. Right. That's it's what about, I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's him doing the reverse 360 dunk. Have you ever noticed that? I mm-hmm. love that fact about Vince is that he doesn't go what you typically the direction you typically go for a 360 dunk. He goes the opposite way. If you try it on like an eight foot hoop or whatever you can dunk, it's really hard. And it has nothing to do with your ability to get up and dunk it. For sure. You just can't turn that way. It's so weird. And that's, that's why the they call chose. it God given ability. It was amazing. Chubb in a tub said, would you put Pat McAfee up there? Absolutely. Yes. Made a career of it. No doubt. It's a great one. 704 said Ocho Cinco. Another very good one. T. Harv. How about Kendrick Perkins, Wes? Kendrick Perkins. He certainly made a career off of it as well. Uh, I would say no on him. I think he just gives takes. And even though he does tell it like he sees it, but I don't see Kendrick Perkins doing commercials or anything uh, like that. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is a great one. A lot of people wrote no Marshawn. Uh, the, the videos where he does Richard it, Sherman. Richard Sherman's good. The videos where he, Marshawn doesn't know that he's being filmed. Those are my favorite. When he talked, when he's talking with Richard Sherman about, he said, yeah, I'm about to go back to the hood and hand out turkeys. Richard said, okay, I'll go with you. Like for real. Yeah. It's just, and he doesn't even promote some of this where he's just out in the street handing out turkeys. And it's not an event that he promoted to say, Hey, donate as much as you can. And there was somebody that was driving by Marshawn Lynch and said, wait, is that the all pro running back handing out turkeys in the street? <laughs> and that's how we knew. God, Marshawn Lynch is the best. TC, Final. we said primetime early in the show. We did. Michael Irvin from Gas House. Daddy is a good one. Yes. Final one, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman is a, a very good no one question. to say as well. Uncle Shay Shay. All right, that's good. Uncle Shay Shay is great. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about some actual Carolina Panthers topics on the football field. You worried at all 
about one of your boys here. We got a couple of your guys in a Carolina Panther uniform. As you slowly conform to Panthers fandom, we know that you love their quarterback, (laughs) Bryce Young. We know that you love one of the undrafted guys that maybe isn't having the best camp. But, of course, we need to start with the quarterback. Bryce Young has thrown an interception in four straight days. Could make it a fifth straight day if he throws a turnover here um, at FanFest tonight. Let's hear from Bryce Young talking about what he learned from red zone practice and how he'll learn more watching tape. You know, there's there's ups and downs. There's always stuff to learn. Um, and, you know, you take every rep in stride. Um, and you learn your, you know, you have initial, you know, reactions, stuff on the field. And then, you know, you know, the real learning and then being able to see is when you, you know, you roll back the tape, which obviously we haven't had the chance to do yet. Um, so, you know, you, you have a, you know, you have those uh, initial reactions, you fill it out on the field and you kind of just go play by play and, um, and then turn the page. And then, you know, now that the practice over and we're going to get into meetings, um, you know, we're going to watch it back um, and then, you know, really see how, how things un- unfold, see how it looks with the eye in the sky and then um, really take the, the learning from there. Get those interceptions out now. Mm-hmm. Don't really want to see him in the regular season. Do you have any worry at all that this has happened for a straight day? Uh, not really, because I think, obviously, he's a rookie. Obviously, he's seeing new things every day. And for the most part, at the beginning of camp, the defense is always ahead of the offense because the offense has to install so much. And so one of the things, though, was they were talking about how the offensive line was struggling And so there was a lot going on back there that caused him to throw a pick. And they were saying during that period that they had been struggling uh, as well. So that's going to be an interesting aspect. We know they've had some injuries up there. So uh, is that offensive line going to be up to snuff? We talk about Icky a lot. Uh, but just this whole unit as a whole, are they struggling in camp? We haven't seen a ton of reports updating how the offensive line looks as of yet, but I do know when I saw uh, in one of the periods where he did throw an ill-advised pass that the offensive line had been struggling for that period. But to answer your question, not really, because I think that this is a guy that He's a rookie. He's going to throw some interceptions, but I think he's going to throw a lot less than the average rookie. And practice, man, even the best of guys get picked off. Well, sure. this is this is the learning time. This is when you're trying to figure out maybe you're pressing a little more. This is all very new to him. The only thing I'm not saying you're saying the offensive line is an excuse, but I hope that's not the reason why he's throwing the interception, to be honest, because if it is the offensive line, it's going to get a lot worse if they're struggling against people actually wanting to hurt you. Because now these are the defensive linemen that don't want to hurt you in practice. And it's as it's as less a physical game now than it will ever be in a regular season contest. And so that's why the offensive line, granted, you want them to perform well. But I hope that's not the reason why he's throwing interceptions. I hope that he's throwing interceptions because he's experimenting, because he's trying to fit it in tight windows. Who knows? But Frank Reich also talked about Bryce Young turning over the ball a little too much now. Here's what the head coach had to say. I thought Bryce had a good day today in the red zone. You know, when you get down to really tight windows, right, as we all know, you have to try things out. Like, we're going to tell him, hey, challenge yourself. See if you can put the ball in that place, in that window, against that coverage. We, we need to find those things out now. What, what are we comfortable with? Did you like the way he ran that route? So I thought Bryce did a great job of that today, as did all the quarterbacks. And, you know, you throw enough down there, you're going to have some good ones and some bad ones. But I thought it was a, a good day. Bryce Young is not Pat Mahomes. He's not. I'm not going to compare anybody to the guy that could possibly be the best to ever do it. But if I'm not mistaken, I feel like Pat Mahomes threw a decent amount of interceptions in training camp. But it's because he's all over the place. He's a live wire, if we want to roll with that phrase here on Wesson Walker as we debuted that segment yesterday. Bryce Young 
feeling so confident within his ability, I have no problem with him, one, trying, maybe not forcing those throws, but seeing what can work in the NFL with NFL speed in the red zone where you heard from Frank Reich trying to fit that football into tight windows. Love seeing him actually experiment and try to figure out what's going to work. But also, the thing I like about Bryce Young is it doesn't seem to be affecting him on everything else, right? Like, he bounces back and he'll throw a dime. You know, Bryce Young will bounce back and shake it off. We'd love what he can do because of his understanding of the game. And that's what I think is is fine here. Watching Bryce Young throw a few interceptions in a row, he seems to bounce back pretty strong. Yeah, and so that's the thing. You want him to keep learning. I mean, I just saw uh, you look it up and you see guys like Aaron Rodgers. They say he throws a ton of interceptions in practice because uh, he wants to see if his guys can make plays. So he throws some low percentage balls here and there. I don't think that's the case. With a Bryce Young, I think the fact that, as we said, he's still learning. The defense is going to be a little bit of hit ahead. But I do wonder one thing, and just something just to bring to the table. I don't think it's necessarily true. But do you think that, like when they talked about he threw the one interception when there was heavy pressure, I don't think that would be the case. But do you think there would be any sense of once he gets into the real games, this is a different level of competition and sometimes he might panic because he doesn't want to get hurt and maybe throw some balls sometimes? I think that's the very worry that you have with any QB stepping into the NFL. I don't know if what we're seeing right now is enough to say this is a bad sign. Now I'm officially worried. I think it's always there when this is just the part of the maturing process getting into the NFL from even, yes, baby NFL, JV, SEC level college football. Like, I think that's the thing that you're worried about. But also, it's kind of a blanket statement over every rookie QB. It's not specifically towards Bryce Young. And the guy's really calm. And he's delivered dimes after some of those interceptions. And so, I understand what you're saying 100%. I think that's what every question, everybody's going to have that question about the rookie QB, but I'm not worried about it specifically. Yeah, and what Coach said is what I just said about Aaron Rodgers. They're telling him, hey, man, take some chances. They're not putting uh, the clamps on him in practice. Say, hey, don't turn the ball over. Don't do this. Don't do that. They want him to figure this thing out. He's got plenty of time. And just like any practice session, that's where you make your mistakes. You want to make them there so you don't make them in the game. So I'm not worried about this at all uh, with Bryce Young because it's just like human nature to always focus on the negative. It's like there have been plenty of reports to come out just like in that same practice and said he lit it up in the red zone and how well he played there. So for every report about there being an interception, and if he's only throwing one per practice or something like that, I mean, I think that's pretty doggone good if you're only throwing one practice. I sound like Bobby Bowden when I said that, but uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty good if you're only throwing an interception or two every practice because I would expect my quarterback to be able to make some mistakes. I mean, when you're out there playing and trying to figure things out and experiment. Well, and if it's happening in the red zone too, that's when things get harder. So, yeah, yeah I mean, even compressed. Bryce Young talked about just bad ball placement on a late throw to Ian Thomas that Keith Taylor intercepted. That's 100% on me and stuff I can learn from. I did want to transition into Keith Taylor, though, because I think with him playing cornerback, that's the position group I feel like we're getting the most storylines so far, Wes. I go to Keith Taylor, who is playing well. C.J. Henderson, again, you don't have to believe that he is going to perform in the regular season because it's the whole fool me once, fool me twice thing. I totally get you, but we're just reporting what everybody else is, and it seems like C.J. Henderson is playing well when he's on the field. He is a little banged up right now. J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, they're healthy. All good stuff from those four cornerbacks. 
not such good stuff from your boy Rajon Wright, <laughs> the undrafted free agent. And look, I liked the pickup. I thought mm-hmm. there was enough ability there, especially at a position where you weren't comfortable with their depth. But it doesn't seem like he's making a lot of uh, a lot of um, positive headlines here with his play. Well, the thing is, they're, they're saying that uh, according to people who have been watching that uh, Wright and Herb Miller, they're being outperformed by Henderson, Keith Taylor, and Stanley Thomas Oliver the third. Yeah. And so the thing about him too is he hasn't been available. He's been hurt. Uh, he's been on the practice bike to start uh, the practices with pads mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So that's going to hurt him as well because as an undrafted free agent, man, you cannot afford to miss any reps. You have to take advantage of every opportunity uh, that you get. And so he's had some indifferent performances during training camp. And then they said nagging complications from things are restricting him to the bike. So he's got to get healthy so he can get out there uh, on the field. And so you talk about some of the other cornerbacks they have been the story of camp when you talk about some of the guys who have been playing well and then Dante Jackson coming back and uh, just talking about coming back from that Achilles and for a player that their game is based on speed like his you know he just had to talk about how he needed to get his mental back and we know what sports how important that is and he said he had to get out of the dark hole and be able to uh get to the point where he felt confident being able to follow guys as the number one receivers again and uh, just play meaningful reps, as he said. So uh, this is a unit that's going to be one of the most critical. I think it's the one we worry about the most. And so to see they have some guys doing some positive things, I think is a good sign. Yeah, 100%. And we'll see about Rajon Wright once he gets fully healthy, if he can contribute in a bigger way. But you are seeing positive things coming from C.J. Henderson. And Keith Taylor is a guy I'm still a little interested in. C.J., we're just going to have to see it in the regular season. There's nothing he can do right now that is going to change the opinions of people that are out on C.J. Henderson. And that's fine. He struggled too much. Jacksonville gave up on him in a trade. And there's a difference between a top 10 pick, like C.J. not figuring it out yet, and Keith Taylor, who was a fifth-round pick a couple of years ago, maybe not figuring it out yet. But here's what Joe Person writes when talking about Keith Taylor continuing to make plays. Henderson sidelined with a growing injury on Tuesday. Taylor turned in the defensive play of the day with a good read and a break on a young pass just past the pylon, as we just mentioned, in that red zone competition. And here's Wright talking about him, saying the play he made today in the red zone was really nice. He made a couple of nice plays the other day in the stadium. We need that competition. We need that depth. And he's strung a couple good days together now. We go back to last year and really focus on that Tampa Bay outing where Henderson, Taylor, nobody was good. We can even go against Pittsburgh in week 15. Keith Taylor was very bad in 65 total coverage snaps if you look at what he did against detroit pff at least grades him pretty well at a 70 coverage grade i just think the bad stuff was so bad in week 15 and week 17 that second to last game against tampa bay and couldn't do enough because he didn't play much he only played one snap against new orleans it's just we all remembered the negative stuff i do think that there are enough positives for keith taylor for you to at least hang around another year Right? Like, just to see what's going on with him. With CJ, he's got the first-round talent, but I, I feel like Keith Taylor, okay, it would make sense for a fifth-round guy to maybe not figure it out until year three. With CJ, you're drafting a top-10 dude to start right away. He might have all the ability, but it just hasn't panned out. Very different situations for two guys that were struggling at the end of last year. Can you get one of them 
to be average this season. That would do wonders, I think, Wes, for the cornerback depth. Yeah, I think it would. And so I think it, it it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out between those two because ideally you would want to maybe try to get both. But it seems like, again, these are guys that you talked about play well in, in camps before. And so we're just going to have to see when we get to the games. And hopefully you don't get to see too much of them because that means that Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn have been healthy. And so that's the ideal situation that you want for this unit is that you don't have to see these two guys uh, very often in a starting role. I don't want to skip over it anymore because people like the intros. We will give you the Fitty Flash intro for the first time now. Go ahead, Fitty, what you got for us? Fitty. All right, guys, on a day where the Houston Astros traded for Justin Verlander, that wasn't the biggest news for their pitching staff last night as Framber Valdez threw the 16th no-hitter in Astros history last night in a 2-0, win over Cleveland. He finished with seven strikeouts and threw just 93 pitches, making it the third fewest pitches in a no-hitter or a perfect game since 1988. Walker, you're a former baseball fanatic. Mm -hmm. What do you call a complete game with less than 100 pitches thrown? Oh, I don't know. What is it? It's referred to as a Maddox. Okay. I had no clue about that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was looking up baseball terminology the other day and remembered the immaculate inning and then started to look up how many pitchers had that under their belt. I have never heard of a Maddox before. Mm -hmm. Greg Maddox, I'm guessing, is where it derives from. Here's the real question. You talked about a no-hitter happening last night. Does anybody care? How how much do people care about a no-hitter? The perfect game we do, because that's still incredible, and we got to see that by Domingo Herman earlier this season. But a no-hitter, individually or team-wide, I don't know if it carries as much cachet as it used to. It definitely doesn't for Houston, because they've got 16 of them. It's crazy. You got 16. Of course, you had like Nolan Rong. You you had some all-time greats pitch for you, but still 16 is ridiculous. It's it's still ridiculous. I mean, I mean it's, I mean, it's I, a cool outing. It's it's better than a shutout, clearly. Yeah. But it's not rare as 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 rare because we had what was it a couple year drought? I think it was. I, I'm gonna really show my aging here as baseball fandom goes. I believe we had a drought from an Anibal Sanchez no hitter, mm. and then after he did it, there was a long time before we got another one in like a couple of years or something like that. That's not the case. You're going to get multiple every single season. I didn't see it even on the top headline on ESPN's baseball page, but when the Armand stuff happened. Definitely saw that because a perfect game is still nutso. Yeah, and Herman missed his start there. Don't you want to know why? Why is that? Sore armpit. Is that right? I've never heard that one before. Have you ever had wow. a sore armpit, Wes? No. Never had that one before. He actually came in and pitched like the fifth through the ninth inning, but he could not make his start due to an armpit injury. I would think that's more for football players because of shoulder pads or something, but baseball, <laughs> I guess throwing, it's usually elbow. All right, sore armpit. Who knew? Plenty more to come here on Weston Walker. It's the Campus Corner coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
Hit us up on that text line, 704-570-9610. Hit up those social medias where you can see the war cry we let out right before the show on War Cry Wednesday. You can check that out on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram uh, at Walker Mail, at HCB underscore Josh, and at West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. So check those out. But for now, it's time to go to the campus. Kona. We touched on this a little bit yesterday, but the 2023 ACC preseason poll is out. Voted on by media members during ACC kickoff last week. And the Clemson Tigers got 103 first place votes, and they are number one. Florida State had 67, North Carolina had five, and NC State had one. And I'm talking first place votes as they tried to predict the number one team in the ACC and who they think will finish on top. So, Walker, in your opinion, did they get this right? Is Clemson still the top dog in the ACC, or do you think that Florida State is coming for that crime? Clemson had what you would consider a down year last year. Clemson did not get what they expected from their quarterback play. Whether you are a DJU apologist or not, I think it's pretty clear to say he didn't put up the numbers you expected him coming into the season. And then even Cade Klubnik. He had the one complete good game against North Carolina in the ACC championship game, but wasn't great in the bowl game. Had the two-point conversion throw, I believe, against Syracuse to give them a spark. But other than that, it's not like you had fantastic QB play outside of that North Carolina contest. All that to say, even with lesser talent they've had in years past, even without a playoff berth, Clemson still spanked the competition that they had in the ACC championship game. How can you really go with anybody else? You can try to go out on a limb, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to poll so many different media members that have been covering this conference for even three, five, ten years, whatever tenure you want to put on it, Clemson deserves the benefit of the doubt over every single other team in the ACC, especially even Florida State that just arrived last year. I mean, that it's been a while. In 2014 is when they won the championship. Jimbo Fisher leaves. They've gone through a couple of head coaches already. So I don't know if I can anoint Florida State as the team to beat in the ACC. I think this is the right decision by the masses to put Clemson atop the conference. Yeah, I think so, too. And that and that's what I had. It's going to come down to their quarterback situation. Uh, you talk about Kay Klubnick, Hunter Johnson, uh, and Hunter Helms right now are the top three on the depth chart. So a lot's going to come down to Garrett Riley and that offense if they can get things going but we know defensively they should still be solid with Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Barrett Barrett Carter in the middle of that defense. But I do think they got it right, even though I do predict the Duke Blue Devils to uh, give them that L to start the season, but I don't think they'll have uh, much trouble besides that. We're going to get a lot of answers early because Clemson and Duke, I mean, and Clemson and Duke's going to be a great game, and Clemson and Florida State uh, are also going to play early in the season, and I think that game will also go a long way in determining this. And by the way, I, I like Florida State more than you. I think that's probably going to be the program we disagree on the most. Yes. Love the talent that they have. But again, if you're polling so many different people that are voting on this thing, then I do think it's totally safe and probably the right decision to go with Clemson towards the top. I do like what Florida State has. And as we talked about last week, Wes, I think the ACC this season will finish in a better place than they started. Yeah. And to give you guys my top five again, which I released yesterday, but I voted Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Pitt, and Miami. So you can at me, whatever you want. I'm ready for that the he smoke. did yesterday. Let's get it. That he did. But he always does that. That doesn't count. That's true. All right. So when we look at 
at the ACC Heisman Trophy contenders for this season. The front runners are going to be out of the league, of course. Jordan Travis, Drake May. You look at Kay Klubnick from Clemson and Will Shipley. For one, is there anybody we may be overlooking, or do you feel like it's going to come from that crop and that the ACC will be represented in New York? Jordan Travis intrigues me quite a bit. Drake May does as well. And this was the conversation that Mac and Bone were having a couple of days ago. I know mm-hmm. they put that out as a promo where you had Bone saying it's a lock that Drake May is actually going to get to New York City. It looked like that for a while. And do you remember we were at the auto show and I put the case together that Drake May was not just having a good season. He was having a historic season in all of college football to that point. If he had just followed what was a pretty reasonable path, a pretty reasonable expectation for the next month of the season, that he would have finished with some top 10 numbers. And the guys that would have beaten him would have been anybody in a Mike Leach system. That was good. Okay. And it would have been your Deshaun Watson's or anybody of that nature among the best college quarterbacks of all time in some of the reigns that they had. Only those figures or above Drake May. And then he has the bad month and Carolina falters. And then they eventually lose the ACC championship game after it all starts with a Georgia Tech loss. All that to say, even without Josh Downs, even with the wide receiver room, maybe not being as good as they were last year because you lose a guy like Josh Downs. Drake May is talented enough to where you have to feel very good about him possibly going to New York. Plus, you have the buzz. You have the foundation to build off of. Like, coming in with the expectations, I think, is going to help them. And same thing with Jordan Travis. So, those are the two guys that you have to look at. It It starts with them. Yeah, I think Drake May is the best hope. And it's just looking eerily similar to when uh, my man Sam Howe came in for his year. That junior season, I believe, uh, after he lost his big-time receivers and running backs, Javante Williams and the crew, and that offensive line was looking tough out there and he struggled that season to get back on that perch he once was. Drake May coming into a similar situation. Offensive line gave up 40 sacks last year and he's losing his top dog in Josh Downs now with the Indianapolis Colts. But when you look at this receiving core, he's got some guys. We're going to see though. J.J. Jones, a young player finished the year with 430 receiving yards, 434 to be exact, ranked second on the team with 18 yards per catch. Nate McCullum is the speed merchant of the crew, 5'8", 185 pounds, but he had 778 yards receiving and four touchdowns in 29 games at Georgia Tech. Tez Walker out of the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina, West Charlotte to be exact. He had 58 catches for 921 yards and 11 touchdowns in 12 games for uh, which team? Uh, he was all Mac. And he was with the Kent State Golden Flashes. But he goes six two and a half, two hundred pounds. So you like uh, the size there for him. So I think he's got some guys that are looking to make a name for themselves. And we'll see. Because also when you talk about J.D. Jones, you love the size on him as well. Six two and a half, two hundred and ten pounds. So I think they're going to have a star or two maybe emerge out of that group. So I think that he will have some receivers that are going to do their best to help him get to New York next season. But when we return on the Weston Walker Show, Team Week continues. My Demon Deeks, we're talking the defense on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.